0: Ladies and gentlemen, to the Overtax talk show with your host, Carla Dennis, bringing you the truth.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Carla Dennis. Welcome to Overtax. I'm super excited to be sharing with you Courtney Harrington. Courtney is a real estate agent. She is working out of the Silicon Valley doing real estate and the Peninsula area and the South Bay area, and she's going to be sharing with you information regarding real estate, sort of where we are, and really a little bit about her background. Courtney,
0: welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: I am excited. Excited for you, honestly. It's uh, it's always nice to speak to other powerful females that are just doing what, what it is that we do every single day.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so, for having me,
1: Courtney. I just, I'm so curious. What made you get into real estate?
0: Sure. You know, I was. I have a background in finance. My undergrad is in accounting. Um, I'm sorry, I have a finance degree um, from undergrad and I practiced accounting for 13 years after graduating from from Xavier University. And uh, upon that, I kind of got stuck in accounting and continued to progress and excel and to the point where it got sexy because accounting I don't think is very sexy. But once you get into uh, (laughs) revenue accounting, and you, um, I started. I worked for Google. I've worked for Seagate. I've worked for Plantronics. I started working for some really some large companies, and and it was all-consuming. And upon just having my third child, <laughs> I I decided that instead of building this wealth and counting this wealth for others I I really want to to do something to empower my community my community as well as just you know have that that freedom of flexibility to have that that family time with my with my life just expanding and my family growing
1: oh that's a wonderful (laughs) You said you have three kids i have four kids so i can oh you win (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i win or what's happening right now these kids got me coming and going let me tell you exactly i know how it is i used to work as an accountant i was a i was like at a law firm and um i was trying to juggle home life and all the things that go into it and wanting to be um a plus plus and all of it required Mm -hmm. me to Years into something that would allow me some time freedom, exactly.
0: And I had always been an investor. I had a lot of, I had a two buy and hold properties, and so it was always something that was in me and from my from my history. I had generational uh, wealth just from real estate from my grandfather. Now my my mother. Uh, was able to obtain her first home and my uncle was able to uh, get his first home all from my grandfather so it was always something that was passionate within me
1: wow that's 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 awesome i i like that fact that you said you use the term generational wealth and i think that that's something that real estate can afford people the opportunity to pass down generational wealth and really that's what's necessary in my opinion for us to come up as individuals as as a society is to really be able to facilitate generational wealth absolutely yeah that's for sure well i also noticed you you i was reading where you were doing some volunteerism in your community you work i believe at your son's school doing some work on the pta tell me a little bit about that
0: Sure. It's really fascinating. Uh, my, my children were, you know, just coming into the Bay Area were in the private school system. And a lot of times in the Silicon Valley, when you decide to purchase a home, most families think about whether they want to build in the, the uh, I'm sorry, the pop the, uh, the school uh, tuition into their mortgage or whether they want to go with a higher mortgage and uh, and go into a a more affluent or uh, better schools, uh, better school districts, right? Because those homes are just going to be more expensive. And that's a whole nother topic. And so what we decided to do was pull out of the private school system and go into public school uh, for many different reasons and, with that i wanted to see at the table i really wanted to understand and because i was the only african-american and my child was the only african-american at that school i really wanted to show presence now i'm in real estate i have a new career i'm eight i have flexibility this is the reason why i changed uh jobs this is the reason why i changed careers to have that presence and i wanted the the teachers the faculty and the other Parents to feel my presence and have that seat at the table. So I joined the Treasury uh, Board, and it's been really eye opening understanding how the state of California schools are funded, uh, how that process works. And it's, it's been interesting. It's been an eye opening experience, but I do volunteer as a, a Treasury of the Board. Wow, that's so interesting. Um,
1: yeah. I so like the fact that you do that for your kids to give, like you say, have a presence, let your presence be felt. For them to be able to see that behind your children <laughs>
0: caring, exactly.
1: absolutely cares articulate can make it happen um i took a similar route did treasury for years for my sons i have four sons so i don't have babies anymore my baby's 18 now um, <laughs> i did the same type of thing to make sure that they understood what type of child was sitting in that classroom and that they had a learned parent behind them that was going to be supportive on all levels right
0: exactly it's so important and it really just sets the tone for how they will how they will grow all of these things um, just plant those seeds or just you know those seeds are starting to set uh, at such an early age so it's really important if they see other parents present that they see you as well and so I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I'm able to do that
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that's so important. And also, I think it's equally important to show your kids that you could be a mom and you can be a working mom and you can and you could really do both. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's important. <laughs> no, I totally agree. So, tell me a little bit about the real estate in the Silicon Valley area that you are operating
0: in. Sure. You know, the Silicon Valley right now is one of the hottest markets uh, in the country. We are one of the most expensive markets in the country next to uh, New York real estate. And uh, the economy is, it's uncertain. It's uncertain right now, but people need to buy and sell real estate for all different reasons and all different circumstances. And with the interest rates being so low, and that's such a a cliche thing, interest rates are so low, it's almost like a a shuck and jive at this point. But what that really means is there's pent up demand. There are buyers out there that are itching to, to move. And they were out there before the virus. And now that things are starting to the, this is the new normal. People are starting to be comfortable with the uncomfortable and they're getting out there. And we're starting back to see uh, just now I was, uh, before we were talking on, offline, you know, talking about, you know, submitting an offer, I was competing with 15 offers uh, for my clients. So uh, there is, there's a lot of demand uh, in the, in the Bay Area and the market is is strong uh in the in housing and so it's it's a it's a really good time to buy if you're purchasing and if you're selling it is it is a good time to sell as well because there are there are no sellers that are selling in distress they're not panic sellers uh they're getting above and beyond their asking price
1: wow yes yes and you know it's so interesting like I know I get this a lot from my clients. I'm an investor. I deal with clients that own real estate. A lot of my clients are investors and clients will come to me and say, Hey, do you think it's a good time to buy or sell? I'm like, it's always a good time to be dealing with real estate. I I just always feel like real estate is always on point. It's a 24 hour business that for every person that is saying, I don't want to, buy right now someone else is willing to buy right now for every person saying i don't want to sell right now someone else is willing to sell right now for so many different reasons
0: absolutely absolutely and the thing that i tell people that say they don't want to buy right now uh for example in coaching up clients if you do not want to buy okay you know well Let's, let's wait, this is the home that you wanted, for example. Let's, uh, let's submit an offer that's not as competitive, just so you kind of get in the game and you get a sense of the competitive nature of Silicon Valley and the competitive nature of submitting an offer in Silicon Valley. And then I want you, while you're waiting, I want you to see now where the market is, because us, us not competing competitively for this, for this home will watch the market start to increase. The buyer sets the market. And so if you're looking at a home, let's just say round robin, a million dollars, and you decide not to uh, pursue that home, right? And then there's offers and multiple offers and people are bidding that home. And now that home has gone for 1.1. Well, guess what? There's a new bar set. We're no longer looking at one millions in that, in that neighborhood. Now we're looking at things that are in 1.1 the market is continuously shifting and moving. And what people do that want to wait, they just price themselves out of the market. We're not in, we're in California. We're unfortunately, we're not down South and we're not in the middle of America. Uh, we're just in prime real estate.
1: That That is so, that is so very true. I have two um, sons right now that are looking at purchasing property and, you know, when they talk to different individuals because it's just so interesting oh yeah you should wait you should do that no the, t- the time is now the opportunities are now to purchase real estate right. and to your point the buyers are driving it so if people are wanting to purchase you know you wait two weeks two months it's, the price is higher
0: exactly it, here's what i tell people don't wait to buy a home you buy the home and wait I love that. Do not
1: wait to buy a home. You buy the home and wait. Exactly. And when they're waiting, Courtney, tell them what they're waiting on. That's really the key.
0: When you're waiting for a property, you're waiting for that appreciation, you're waiting on equity. For example, I'm an investor as well, and my buy and hold properties, for me, cash flow is the fact that I'm not. Uh, paying, I'm not paying out my mortgage. I may not be having this excess amount of money coming in because every deal doesn't look like that. But what I do have is someone paying down my mortgage and I have equity and my home is appreciating. So when my kids, you know, get ready to graduate or they get ready to go off to college, guess what? I have a decision to make. Am I going to sell this home? It's their home. Now they have an option. What do they want to do with this home? Uh, so it 's all about that appreciation and it 's building that wealth and that 's what you 're doing. You can always assure that if you have home, you have leverage, and that 's what you 're waiting on yeah,
1: leverage I like that and that 's really yeah. what it boils down to because I think that this instant gratification society that we 're in as a result of Instagram and all these other instas that we deal with on a <laughs> daily basis. I think that people feel like if I buy a property, whether it's investment property, all of a sudden I should just all of a sudden have this instant cash flow or instant appreciation. I can tell you, I purchased my first piece of property out of college back in 1986 on a student loan. I was going to go to graduate school. I didn't go to graduate school. I took that money and ended up buying a piece of property with it. I can mm-hmm. tell you that property practically doubled its value by the time that I sold that property. Right. At the, at the time, if I was buying it, did I think it was going to double its value? No, because I was sucking air when I was buying it. I was like, this just seems like it's so much, but at the it's so end of expensive. the yeah, so expensive. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But at the end of the day, it's all, it just appreciates.
0: Exactly. And it's been doing that for 200, 400 plus years. So it's not going to stop now. We have history uh, to prove. This is the one thing that you can look back on any given point in history and see that this is something that has never stopped. (laughs) There's ebbs and flows. There's ebbs and flows uh, to the appreciation, uh, much like any investment, but uh, the return is, is, is guaranteed if you're willing to wait.
1: That's exactly right. If you're willing to wait, because it's real estate to your point, is historic. It's been there. And as far as I'm concerned, they're not going to make any more dirt. And right. <laughs> we've all played the game of monopoly. The The pieces may be different, but the game of monopoly, the game of real estate is definitely something that uh, is going to be there for a long time. And you're seeing the market even increase with what we have going on right now with all of this. Um, the pandemic that we're dealing with. I'm down in the Orange County, Southern California area where I don't see housing prices dipping at all. Zero, zilch. they're going up. What do you see in terms of the pandemic? Do you think that that's gonna drive prices down? Not that you have a crystal ball, but certainly your opinion.
0: Sure, you know, we have an office down in Dana Point as well. And it's on conference calls uh, today with, um, with one of my realtors out there, one of my colleagues, and he's fighting. He was fighting for an investment property. No, the, the prices are not going down. What's happening are the terms are changing. And by terms, I mean how we write a winning offer in those contingencies. So prior to the pandemic, uh, there was a lot of competition. There was a lot of all cash offers coming in. And now there's a lot more, the, the, the competition and the way we write offers has changed. The prices aren't necessarily going down, but there is that concern in regards to closing that loan amount. There, you, you do want to have that uh, assurance. So, people out, we're writing in contingencies, we're giving ourselves seven to 10 days to make sure that we have all the loan, uh, infer- all the loan information uh, completed. And we also are making sure appraisals are coming in in the seven to uh, 10 days, as well as the, um, uh, the properties, section one, uh, inspections. So we're writing those in now. Whereas prior to a pandemic, there is no way you would have a, sub- a submitted offer with contingencies <laughs> You know that just wasn't unheard of and you wanted to get your offer accepted. No way you know, we're just completely clean offers. So that's what's happening. We're seeing offers that give the buyer a little more protection, if not a lot more protection because the purchase agreement is written for the buyer. And uh, that, that's the change. That's the change and that's the uncertainty. And so you're seeing those first-time buyers, those millennials really start to step out and get out there uh, more and more. This uh, coronavirus has shown them and has taught them had woken them up to understand the power in real estate, I think as they kind of sit back in their home and they realize that they can't, uh, they can't really do anything or fix anything or change anything in their home. <laughs> and so I think that that is what's changed, but all that has done is create more buyers. And with more buyers, this is a simple supply and demand. With more buyers and not very much inventory across the entire California, what is going to happen? Yep. prices are going to increase. So it's it's a simple math, simple it, formula. It really is. And you really hit on
1: something. You said the millennials. So that speaks volumes to my two sons. Millennial sons, <laughs> they want to live in this uh, high rise communal living type of uh, place where they have all the swimming pools, the game rooms, the weight rooms, just everything, you know, and all of their friends around. And I've always been against that. But of course, you know, (laughs) mom has no opinion. Mom doesn't know anything. Everything mom says is, you know, 25 years old. That's old information. It doesn't work today. But with this pandemic, Courtney, I can honestly say my sons are like, mom, we can't wait for these leases to be up. Mom, we want to buy our own houses now. Because they exactly. realize they're they're locked up. They can't do anything.
0: Exactly. Exactly. They're they're prisoners almost in their own home. And and by that and I mean isolation. Uh, right. This isolation has forced us to really think about our situation. And it happens, you know, even to myself. You know, we've, I've submitted all the paperwork and all of the information I need to the city in order to start my renovation, in order to start my reno, and to expand out uh, my, my home. Refinancing is at an all too, all-time high. This pandemic has really changed the way that uh, people across the board uh, think about real estate, think about their home situation, and think about, you know, what are the next steps? I think
1: that's so important, Courtney. You know, something that we used to see a lot of, but we don't see so much of anymore. I remember um, years ago, probably about a good eight, nine years ago, in the area where I am, you were seeing people renovate their homes. They were adding on, they were expanding, they were getting their pools done. And then when the market all went kind of crazy, people stopped doing that type of stuff. But home Mm -hmm. renovation, I feel like home ownership, and the ability to renovate your home, add things to it, socialize at your own property is now the big thing again.
0: It's an investment. Your home is an investment. So people, I had to correct one young lady because she was saying, oh, I'm not an investor, but I am a homeowner. And I did take advantage of the 2016 uh, tax advantages and the first time homebuyers programs. And I said, I, I, I want to correct you. You are an investor. Your home is an investment. You're able to leverage uh, that home in so many different ways. And especially if you decide to improve that, that's just building upon the equity uh, in your home. And so that your home is a huge investment. And in, in I import people to take care of their homes and take care of their properties. And be, that just adds to the value of the home. So I, I 100% concur with that. I agree with that.
1: Yes, absolutely. It is an investment, and if and to your point, if you treat it right, take care of it right, don't use it for a piggy bank for the wrong things, Um, it will be around for a long time. That's for sure. What would you say to somebody that is looking to purchase their first home? What would be your words of advice?
0: You know, my words of advice would be to look at your financial situation, understand. Uh, first things first, because you do not want to take on uh, debt or uh, this, 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 this pound gorilla if you are not uh, financially in a situation where you're financially stable and you're able to. So the first thing I'd implore people to do is take a look at their credit. If their credit is in a great position, then great, you're moving on to the next step. Do you have a reserve? Do you have something in the bank for a, de- a down payment or uh, your deposit? Do you have these things? Because those that, that money is real. Once your offer is accepted, you will need to submit an uh, earnest money deposit <laughs> within 24 hours. So we need to have that money um, in a position where it's available uh, and it's available quick and it's liquid, right? And so that's the second thing. And then uh, the third thing is, you know, location, location, location. Once you have all of those financial situations in order and think about a place that will appreciate. It's all about location. Wherever you choose to buy a home, whatever the situation may be, appreciation comes in the form of where that home is situated. And location could mean a place that is not quite developed yet and it's coming. In 10 years, I'm sure you could think of a place right now Carla, that, that that has not been developed in a few years ago, and then you wish you would have bought there and then kind of turn around and look at it now, and it's um, a fluid, just, just you know, <laughs> everything is there. I'm sure you can think of a couple places like that. So, you know, you want to think of places that mean something to you, right? If it's schools, uh, then you're getting into that, good schools and good areas and neighborhoods. So start thinking about things that are important to you. That's what I would say to a first-time buyer. And then I would say, contact me.
1: <laughs> there you <laughs> yeah. go. There you go. Courtney, Absolutely. if they want to contact you, how do they do that? I want our audience to be able to contact you. What would, what would your contact information be?
0: Sure. You know, you can find me on Instagram, all the social media, all the social media platforms at Courtney Harrington and uh, my website, CourtneyHarrington.co. And, um, you know, reach out to me there. There is a a page there where you can submit any information. And feel free to email me as well. It's Courtney at EQ1.com and submit any questions. And I also have a a podcast uh, that's Real Women Real Estate that we record uh, live every Wednesday. Uh, We're always welcome those questions. And uh, that's on Instagram as well, Real Women Real Estate.
1: I love that. And you know what, Courtney? I I really like the fact that you want to empower people. One thing I read about you is you say you wanted people to make informed, confident decisions. And I just think that's so important that they work with somebody that can help them make an informed, confident decision because data tells the story. Data tells them a lot about what they should do. So I'm glad that that is actually one of your goals for your buyers.
0: Absolutely. There is a lot of terms. Uh, there's For first time buyers, there's a, there's a learning curve and there's a huge learning curve. There's a technical piece to buying homes. Uh, there, the vocabulary to buying homes is, is, is one that if you're not in the industry, you do not know. And it can be a, a bit overwhelming and it can be an emotional decision and so you want somebody that is a professional that is not emotional that understands how to handle things under pressure and also educate you so that you can be um equally equipped to go to the buying process and you understand it so not only are you purchasing a home but you're so comfortable with the terms and the knowledge that you've acquired that you can go out and now purchase your own property for investment. You understand the whole realm of real estate and the power of real estate. That's my goal. And that's my goal uh, with the podcast, with the podcast, excuse me, to try to educate people on the the power of real estate, you know, regardless of what your situation is, even if you're not looking to invest, even if you just want to buy your first home, well, who's going to turn down the opportunity to learn about what investing in real estate looks like?
1: You know, (laughs) nobody, if they're smart, that's
0: for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So it's great to have that knowledge. And it's great to have somebody that's also willing to educate you about credit. I'm finding out that a lot of people uh, in our community, in particular, credit is an issue and credit is such a taboo issue. It's not something that people talk about but it's one of the top reasons why people rent instead of purchase. And so that's another one of my passions is helping people understand how that credit score is made up and that's partnering with the lender and working directly. Your lender and your realtor it's a it's a team you guys have to be in lockstep at every step of the way and so that's a that's another part of it but educating us from a financial standpoint and that just kind of takes me back to my finance background my my accounting and my finances uh there's that that never leaves you wanting people to understand numbers yeah And and i think that that's probably
1: one of the things that's made you successful in this business when you understand accounting and numbers it is the backbone to business. It really is the backbone to business and it just can parlay you from there. Courtney, it has been my pleasure to have you on today. You are just a wealth of information. Honestly, I am going to have to have you back on the show so that we can continue some conversations. You said a couple of things I want to tap into and just really have some conversation around. But I thank you so much for empowering the listeners with the information that
0: you shared today. Thank you so much for having me, Khan. Look forward to seeing you again.